We're going to take a, a brief detour this week from our normal study of Acts that we've been going through to look back at what we've seen and to ask ourselves what I think are some pretty important questions. So let's start with this one. What do we mean when we say that we believe the love of God in Jesus changes everything? Like, it looks good on the wall. Uh, it's very straight. I don't know how, if you know how proud I am of how straight that is, having stuck it up there. It's a, it's a simple statement, and yet it's also a, a really big statement that carries a lot of weight. And ultimately, I mean, not to be too simplistic about this, but when we say that we believe the love of God in Jesus changes everything, we are saying that the life, death, and resurrection, resurrection of Jesus has forever changed the course of human life. Through these words, we are saying that before Jesus, we were subject to sin and death, that try as we might, we could never overcome our own failures. God would always be at some sort of distance from us, and death ultimately would reign, but with the coming of Jesus, our sin was overcome and death was defeated. We would no longer be defined by our failures, but instead we would be given the opportunity to live a new life for God, that God would not be distant from us, but would live inside of us, empowering us to change the world. And here is the real heart of the matter. We believe that when people come to understand this about God and about his son Jesus, that God loves them in this way and that Jesus died for them, we believe that their life will be changed. Because ultimately, we don't believe that you can hear and understand the great love that God has for you and your life not be changed. I'm looking for an amen at some point. I just want you to know, like, at some point, if you want to agree strongly, you are welcome to do so. Now, let's take this back to Acts. This is the story that we are seeing play out in the book of Acts. I mean, think about what's happening. People are hearing the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and that's exactly what it is. It is good news. And upon hearing the good news of Jesus, their lives are forever changed. God is changing the world, and he's doing it through Jesus. And we primarily see this through conversions from people who were once unbelievers becoming believers. So this morning, we want to pause for a moment to appreciate just what it is that God was doing and how these lives were being changed. So what have we seen and what should we recognize from the story as it has been told so far? First, we have seen that people come from a place of unbelief to belief in lots of different ways. So first, there was a crowd of people who did not believe in Jesus. Now that's an understatement, my friends because some of them might have even participated in mocking Jesus as he was on his way to the cross. Some of them might have watched him literally die. 
and cheered from the crowd. These same people, when they were presented with the gospel and witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit, they changed their minds and their lives. And I think we are in danger of underappreciating just how remarkable of a moment that was. We get caught up on the fact that however many thousands of people came to know Jesus that day. But hard hearts and closed minds were changed by the knowledge of what God had really done by people who watched it all happen and didn't get it at all. Then, there were those who were considered to be outcasts from the people of God. They were, they had some sort of you know, tangential relationship to God where way back in their past, in their history, they knew who God was, but the people of God wouldn't allow them to come and know God because they were considered to be outcasts and traitors. And yet the gospel went to them as well. And they experienced uh, healings and, and the driving out of demons, but more than that, they were told that they were now invited to be a part of what God was doing. And guess what happened when they were given that invitation? They accepted it. Because no longer were they on the outside, but God was bringing them in to what he was doing. Someone from the end of the earth, as far as this story is concerned, Ethiopia, came to know Jesus and be baptized. And there are so many questions which have, were brought up to me last week. I wish Janice was here this morning because she brought up some of these questions. Um, how was the Ethiopian in that place at that time, how did he even have a scroll of the book of Isaiah? Well, no, it's not like people just had this stuff lying around. So how did he even actually have that? And how is it that he was reading out loud a section of the book of Isaiah that was referring to Jesus as Philip was going past? Or he was going past Philip, however you want to look at it. God did all of that, you see. And the gospel was so wonderfully clear to the Ethiopian that he literally saw water and said, well, that's water. Why shouldn't I go be baptized now? In Saul, we have our first enthusiastic enemy of the gospel who was the chief persecutor and killer of Christians going door to door looking for those who believed in Jesus. And God decided that there were better things for Saul to do then persecute Christians. And so God changed his mind and turned him into the foremost evangelist to the Gentiles. And speaking of Gentiles, a Roman centurion who somehow feared God and lived a good godly life, even though he did not have a godly background, was given the opportunity to hear the gospel, even though he was all kinds of the wrong person. But God was changing the world around him too. And when he was given the opportunity, he and his household chose to believe in Jesus. Look, this is people from all walks of life, all sizes, all shapes, 
and all colors, and do you know what draws them all together? Do you know what makes them the same? They were presented with the gospel, and they chose to believe it. Their lives were changed by Jesus. And as amazing as these stories are to our ears, they would have been infinitely encouraging to the community that Luke was originally writing to. A church that was going through persecution, a church that was struggling to find its way. And when they read these stories from these first 11 chapters of the book of Acts, here is proof that God can change lives and create Christian community under the full power of the Spirit. And furthermore, it doesn't have to happen one way. It can start with a huge group or in one person's home. It can start with the most expected or the least expected. There is no pattern. No story is the same. Instead, it is God who is moving and shaping and engaging the lives of people in every situation so that no one church is out of bounds. The gospel goes out and lives are changed. But here's something else that we see that I don't know if you've considered because our view of conversion today is such an individualistic one. But we see in all of these stories that conversion is not something that just happens to an individual. I mean, when we hear that word conversion or conversion story or what is your story, we see it as something almost that happens to one person and how their life is changed and what happens to them. But in Acts, we see that conversion is actually not something that happens to one person. It is adoption into a family. It's moving into a new kingdom, a social corporate phenomenon that is happening to groups of people all over the place. We see that these conversions are are about new beginnings, the the beginning of a new chapter in someone's life, but also the beginning of a new chapter in the church as the gospel is going out, and this is hard for us to wrap our minds around, into places where people have never heard about Jesus. Where people have never heard about Jesus. And, And it's going into these places, and individual lives are being changed. But when those individual lives are being changed, then then more lives are being changed by the people that they're in contact with because they can't keep this Jesus thing to themselves. And communities are forming, and people are being drawn together. It is the start, each conversion, each moment, each time someone says, I believe it is the start of something bigger. Not just for them but for the community of God. And and moreover, we see in these conversions that it's not just about what God has done in one person's life. It's about how, yes, God changes them, but then they get to be a part of taking that same gospel to someone else who doesn't know who Jesus is. And they get to tell them For the first time, that God loves them, 
that Jesus died for them and that they have hope in a new life. And this is part of what they understand their conversion to be. It's not all about, look what God is doing in me. It's about, look what God is doing in the world. Are you part of the world? Then you should get in on this. Because this is for you too. And finally, we see that all of these stories, all of these conversions are driven by the gift of God. God is the one who is making all of this happen. It's not the disciples. It's not Peter. It's not Saul or ultimately Paul. It is God who is prodding and, and pushing and, and speaking and, and, and touching and making these things happen. It's not the result of skillful leadership and planning. They don't know how to create a church. They barely know how to live out what it is that Jesus wants them to do, and yet the gospel is spreading like crazy. So, what does all of this mean for us? So we need to look at ourselves for a moment here, okay? Seeing all of these amazing things that happen, I have a really important question that I want you to consider. And that is this. Do you feel di- connected or disconnected to that st- those stories in Acts? Let me say it again because I stuttered a few times. Do you feel connected or disconnected to these stories in the book of Acts? Think about it for a minute. We see God moving in extraordinary ways. We see people hearing the gospel and responding to it. We see the world changing through the work of God, the boldness of the disciples, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But do we feel connected to the story in the way that we believe that that story is still our story? That God is still doing those things? Now, here's why this is a complicated question. I have been in rooms or in Bible studies with people where they have tried to explain why the Spirit doesn't work this way anymore. Or why this needed to be such an extraordinary time because the church needed to grow. Or how the apostles or things made this happen or that happen. And when we look at these stories that way, we disconnect ourselves from it and the story doesn't become our story. We don't, we start to believe, and this is, we probably believe this to a degree, that we are not living in the same reality, that times are different, that things have changed, that for whatever reason you want to attribute to, that things are not like this anymore. Now, we have lived and continue to live through an extraordinary time in the world. There has been Political and social unrest, unlike anything most of us have experienced before. There's this little pandemic thing. That's hard to overlook that one. There is serious questioning about what is real or true. And depending on who you listen to, you could have a, this is not an exaggeration, a completely different worldview an understanding of what is true than the person sitting next to you right now. 
People are looking for answers, but some of the answers that are out there are less than productive. The future seems to be uncertain. Is there another outbreak coming? What happens if we have to wear masks again? All these different things. My point, my point is this. It can be really hard to relate to the amazing things that God was doing in the book of Acts when there is so much noise around us all the time begging us to give it the attention it deserves. And when we live in this world, instead of living in the kingdom, when we live in this world, instead of living in the kingdom, then the voice of God is diminished in our lives and our understanding. It just is. We are to be in the world, but what? Not of the world. Why? Because if we are of the world, then that's all we hear. Is the world. So, there are some things that I want us to remember and believe this morning which I think speak to us and where we are and what we're dealing with. Number one, if you haven't realized it yet, you should have, but the world of the book of Acts is not sunshine and rainbows. It's not. Those who chose to follow Jesus were not living happy and carefree lives as the Holy Spirit carried them away on a rainbow of happiness. I mean, again, don't forget that Saul was going door to door looking for those who believed in Jesus. The Jews were hostile toward those who they believed were turning others against God and were using all of their energy and effort to defend the God that they believed they knew. And Rome was hostile to anything or anyone that caused trouble. This was the world that they lived in. And all of these conversions that we see, as amazing as they are, happened within this crucible of fear, doubt, anger, and assault on what is real and what is true. So, what then made that time so extraordinary, and how did they come through that in a way that we might seem to struggle with how we do this? And I think it's just one simple thing. <laughs> simple. That's a lie. <laughs> One simple thing. Those who believe in the gospel allowed the gospel to overwhelm everything else. Allowed it to. Because let me tell you something. The gospel is always willing to overwhelm everything else. But they allowed it to happen. There is a, there is a statement by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that I love. If you've been here with me all these six years, you know I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But Paul uh, was writing about how we live here on earth in a tent and we have our home in heaven and we're uncomfortable while we're here and we're waiting to go to heaven and just we want to get out of this dump. And he comes to the end of verse 4 and he's talking about how we are burdened while we are waiting here in this tent and we're waiting for heaven, but here's what he said. Heaven is the place where what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. The place where what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Let that statement ring for a moment. 
I know this is true for me, and it might not be as true for you, but I think I tend to let what is mortal overwhelm what is really life, as opposed to letting what is really life swallow up what is mortal. Letting the eternal speak louder than the temporary. So if there's one thing that I need to grasp this morning, it is that I am, in fact, a part of the exact same story as the book of Acts. Not different in some ways. I am a part of the same story because the gospel still overwhelms, the Holy Spirit still empowers, God is still on the move, and Jesus still changes everything. And who am I to say that God is not that anymore? A fool. We need to believe, then, that people need Jesus. Not because they are awful. Not because they do so many bad things. That's not the message of the gospel but because we are all lost and in need of a Savior, and we need to remember that the news about Jesus is good news. It is not bad news. The primary message of the gospel is that God loves you, that Jesus died for you, and you can overcome through him. And you know what? Everyone needs to hear this whether they like it or accept it or not. Not, again, that they're so bad, but that God loves you, and this stuff is real, and it matters, because people are looking for answers, and they may not want this answer right now, but do we believe that God can still change lives? Then let's not keep him from doing it by keeping our mouths shut. We need to believe that the Spirit is capable of moving and changing people's hearts. Look, it is not your responsibility to change someone's life. You are not that important. Instead, it is the Spirit who guides, moves, and softens hearts that were formerly crunchy. We need the power of the Spirit to help us, and so therefore we need to call on the power of the Spirit. We don't need to read another book about evangelism, though those help. We don't need to find another method to speak to someone, though those things help. We need to rely on the Spirit to give us the boldness and the wisdom and the words to say. So here is the big one. God is working in the world, and it's not his fault if we don't join him. Okay? Look, it is one thing that has been staring me in the face in the book of Acts, and that is this. God is the one doing all of it. The disciples are the ones who are smart enough to listen to his guidance, to follow him where he goes, and to do what he says. And sometimes God spoke directly in dramatic ways, but at other times, it was the simple knowledge that people needed to hear about Jesus that put someone in the right place at the right time to say something good that changed someone's life. There is no formula. It is God moving and working. But there is undoubtedly, church, a going and a doing, 
a speaking up, a standing in the gap. And if we understand that God always wants the gospel to go out and that everybody needs Jesus, then we should not so often wonder what direction God has for our lives. Oh, we may not know the path. We may not have all of the signposts, but I can tell you right now that if you believe that Jesus Christ changes everything, then Jesus Christ changes everything for everyone, and God wants all to know about it. This journey is one that we take together as a community. It's not one we do on our own. So lastly, we need to be unafraid of what will happen to us if we passionately represent the gospel in the world. There will be consequences. At times, we will face opposition. And sometimes in our world, we think that it is God's job to overcome the opposition that, we might, that might come up so that we can have a smoother path to success. So ultimately, and I hate to say it this way, but I'm just feeling this way, so that we can feel better about ourselves. But that's not how it goes in the story. With all this amazing growth and all that God is doing, it's not easy. And there is opposition. More opposition than we will ever face in our lifetimes. But people are still going. People are still speaking. And lives are being changed. Is it every life? No. Is it every conversation? No. But the gospel is being spoken into the world and Jesus is changing things. God works over, around, and through opposition because, here it is, you ready? No opposition can really stop what God is doing in the world. The gospel goes out and it changes lives. So listen, friends, we are a part of a miraculous story. We are a part of people who don't believe hearing about Jesus for the first time and their life being forever changed. And I know your lives were changed when you met Jesus because they just can't help but be changed. He's that big. He's that great. He is that overwhelming. May the gospel and what God is doing in the world overwhelm everything else. May it be the voice that cries out in our hearts that it must be released on the world and that we have the amazing opportunity to maybe for the first time let someone know that the creator of the universe loves them. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. God, thank you for doing amazing things. God, we believe that you still do amazing things for every life changed is amazing. God, we want to be a part of what you are doing and we don't want to miss it. So help us to realize, God, that you are still moving and changing and shaping the world, that you are still transforming lives, that you are still making things happen, and don't let us miss it for any reason. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.